0: I found an app called The Perfect Marriage. It gives you challenges and it's supposed to make our marriage better. Today's challenge is make your dates more exciting. Are you sure this rope's gonna hold? Yeah, she'll hold. Ah! 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 Oh, no! Are you sure this is safe? Hey, about two and a half times out of ten, it'll hold. Ah! Ah! It doesn't have to be this hard. Welcome to the 3rd week of the marriage challenge. Man, just glad you guys are here. It's going to be good. Look, look, you need to hear my encouragement. My encouragement is that you stay on track, that you you stay in the challenges. I can't tell you how much care we took to design them so that you would get maximum results. So please don't don't look at one and opt out. Don't say, "Hey, you know, I'll do the next." Do all of them. ...consistently through the challenge... ...and if you were here last week... ...we had this discussion about the idea that said... ...hey, uh, marriage... ...the primary focus of marriage is not happiness... ...if you aim at happiness in marriage... ...you'll be in competition and struggle the whole time... ...but that actually... ...the goal of marriage... ...the reason God gave us marriage... ...was to make us holy... ...was to produce Christ-likeness... ...in the man and in the woman... ...the cool part... ...the fun part of it is... ...is that as we become more Christ-like... ...as we allow that to happen... Happiness usually ends up being a very natural byproduct out of that. So we end up win-win out of the deal, but it's not the primary thing. So I just want to encourage you, stay in the challenges. And last week's challenge was that you do devotions together. And if for some reason you haven't been able to engage in that, haven't been able to do that, then I just want to encourage you, if you go to any app location, and you just type in Cornerstone Church AZ, it's going to come up. It's free. You put it on, boom, it'll pop you right into the right uh, d- devotion for this week. You can join in and do it. Don't miss this moment uh, to grow together spiritually as a husband and a wife. And then I just want to say to our Santan and to say to Scottsdale, I hope you guys are just as engaged. I hope you got the apps downloaded, that you're doing these, that you're part of it, that we're all doing this collectively together. This is a big moment in the life of our church. All right, so here, here we go today having a conversation, and, and you get that uh, men and women are intuitively wired wildly, wildly different. Matter of fact, a gal by the name of Shante Feldhahn, anybody who know who she is? Okay, there's like four of us. That's great. This is going to be very helpful. All right. Uh, no, Shante Feldhahn is actually a Christian, uh, but she's actually a Harvard-trained statistician. And um, when she was a teenager at a youth camp, she had a life-changing experience in one of the sessions at camp. Here's what happened. Uh, she's sitting there as a teenager. The speaker is up front, and he says to the camp, here's what I want you to do. Uh, remember, he's talking to high school boys, high school gals. He says, if you would make the choice and say, I want my life to have significance. I, I want my biggest dream, my biggest hope for my life is, is that I would accomplish something that I would be remembered for and that would be highly contributive to the lives of other people. So much so that when my name is spoken out loud, people would say my name with respect because of what I had accomplished in my lifetime. But that decision to choose accomplishment would mean that I would never know deep love in my life. Choice number two. Choice number two is that you would be deeply loved, that you would be fully known, that somebody would care about you in the most wildly fulfilling way possible, but you will live a life of insignificance and nobody will actually notice you. Choose. And he said, everybody that wants significance, you walk to this side of the auditorium, everybody who chooses love, you walk to that side of the auditorium, ready, go. And instantaneously, All of the males got up and guess which side they walked to? Significance, accomplishment. And all of the females got up and guess which side they walked to? Love and anonymity. Here's what she discovered in that moment. That men and women are fundamentally different. It's part of what causes this constant tension. Because even as we run the exact same idea through our grids he is more likely to come up with a completely different answer than she would come up with because of those competing values in life. And here's what you need to grasp in the moment. Women crave to be truly and deeply and profoundly loved. And men crave to live lives that are significant, that mean something and bring them respect. It's how he wired males and females and here's the interesting thing knowing this God then took a moment and explained how to make these two seemingly competitive ideals function within the relationship of a man and a woman and he unpacks this in Ephesians chapter 5 so grab your bibles we're going to go there this is super intriguing And amazingly helpful, if you can grab what it's saying, it's Ephesians chapter 5. Let me help you out. If you go to the back of your Bible, work to the left, you're going to find this book of Ephesians. And it brings unbelievable clarity to this discussion of how a husband is supposed to treat his wife knowing that she craves to be deeply and profoundly loved. And how a wife is supposed to respond to her husband knowing that he is wired for accomplishment. He's wired to receive respect. And these are deep values within the very core of his manhood. And how does a wife respond to that for him? Okay? So it's Ephesians chapter 5. We're going to start in verse 21. Um, here's, Here's what I want you to watch for. This passage is going to say to the man three times. Look, 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 look. If you don't do anything else right... If you blow it in every other area of being a husband, do this one thing well. Because this one thing is so critical, it's so important, it'll make up for a bunch of other stuff. He's about to say to the wife, look, 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 look. If you stumble in every other part of being his spouse, being his wife, do this one thing. Do this thing really, really well. Because if you do that, you'll have his heart. As I read it, I'm just going to say it aloud. As I read it, don't get hung up on the words. Don't do it. Get hung up on the idea that God is about to say to the man three times, do this. And he's about to say to the woman three times, be sure you do this. And ask yourself this question, why does God believe this is so critical for me? Okay, here we go. Uh, Ephesians chapter five, starting in verse 21, here's what it says. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. So here's where it begins. It says, look, look, if this thing's going to work because he's so wired for accomplishment, she's so deeply, profoundly attracted to being loved. If you keep fighting for your own way, this is going to get ugly. So instead he says, here's the deal. Husband, you've got to decide that you, even your need for accomplishment is secondary To you fulfilling her being loved. You're going to submit that desire in you to her. Here's what you're saying in that moment. You ready? I have found somebody I love more than me. Let me just say that again. I've found someone that I love so much. That if, if I have to choose. Them being happy is more important to me than me being happy. That's my choice. And so he's saying to the husband, look, you're going to submit what is intuitive and natural for you. And look, it's not that you're going to lose it. It's just it's going to be a distant second so that you fulfill what she needs in her life. And then he's saying to the wife, you ready? Submit to one another. Look, I know. I know this is what you crave. I know this is what your heart longs for. But in love, you're saying in this moment, I have found somebody that I love more than myself. And I will allow my need to be number two. And, and I will submit that and be what he needs in his life. It's an interesting moment. And here's the, here's the wild part about it you realize it takes every bit of competition now out of the relationship when one is submitting to the other. There's no reason to fight anymore. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Here we go. Wives, listen for your job description. Husbands listen for yours. Do not, do not, do not elbow the person next to you. Do not do that. Okay. I'll do that in a few minutes. You just sit there and listen to your job description. Here we go. Wives. Wives submit yourselves to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife as Christ is the head of the church, his body in which he is the savior. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to their husbands In everything. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word, and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. In this same way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. After all, no one ever hated his own body, but they feed and they care for their body just as Christ does the church, for we are members of his body. For this reason, a man will leave his father and his mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. This is a profound mystery, but I am talking about Christ and the church. However, each one of you must love his wife as he loves himself, And the wife must respect her husband. Okay, so husbands, what did it say three times you needed to do for your wife? You need to... (laughs) Three times. You need to love her. Okay, ladies, it said to you, what did you need to do for your husband? You need to... (laughs) And right about now, right about now, right about now, look, I I know, I know, I know, I know, right about now, every lady in the room is going, that is the worst job description in the history of job descriptions. All he has to do is love somebody as wonderful as me. And I got to follow him. Are you kidding me? Ladies, here's what you need to hear. Get this moment. It is just as hard for him to love you. I didn't mean it that way. I didn't. No, no, no. Get this. Get this. Ladies, please. It's just as hard for him to love you as it is for you to submit to him. Let me tell you why. Men are emotionally modest. Have you noticed that? Uh, we're, we're all like, oh, well, no, I don't have a feeling. What are you talking about? <laughs> men don't cry. Right? And men, look, 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 listen to this. Men are intuitively emotionally modest, which means we take our emotions, we, we take that, we hold them really, really, really private. We're, we're not going to expose that tender part of ourselves. Men are emotionally modest in the same way that women are physically modest. Isn't that interesting? Uh, Women, this is my best guess. You've been married to your husband seven, eight, nine, ten years, you get out of the shower, you're still wearing a towel. He gets out of the shower, <laughs> right? There's no modesty there, right? And here's the crazy part, right? But look, look understand the moment. He is emotionally modest. In the same way that you are intuitively, physically modest, which means this idea of opening up and loving you the way that you need to be loved is terrifying for him. And it's going to be just as hard as what God asked you to do. Okay, so understand it because we're different. All right, man, let, let, let's start with us. Says to you and me, you and I, if we don't get anything else right in our relationship with our wives, we've got to learn how to love them the way they ache to be loved. And guys, this is profound. The level at which she longs for you to engage in loving her is huge. And you will not get there by accident. So here's what you need to know, men. Women, women receive love through provision. Through you providing. Okay? And there's actually four ways in which she receives love through provision. Number one is finances. And she does that because as you provide financially, it brings a sense of security for her. Hey, we're gonna, the house will still be here next month. Uh, the kids are going to get fed. They have the clothes that they need to wear. And this whole idea of security and not living on the ragged edge of, oh, no, is a huge thing to her heart. And so as you provide financially, that's a big deal. Here's the problem. Most men stop there. See, most men go, hey, I mean, you know, I provide her. Right? That's, I did that and, you know, I went to work and I'm doing really, really well and I'm bringing home a decent paycheck and so then I come home, my job's done and she gets to do the rest because I'm provider. If you only do 25% of your job description at work, how long do you have a job, man? And let me tell you why it's so easy for you and I to stick here and to get stuck on that one. It's because I can actually provide for her and still provide for myself. Because, see, at work, I can still accomplish. See, I can still get the pay raises. I can still get the promotions. This one is so easy. It's low-hanging fruit for us because I do something for her, and yet I'm still providing something for myself in the moment. And I can't tell you how many men check out here. Man, there's three other areas, if you're going to love your wife, that you have to provide. Okay? One, the second one is that you have to provide emotionally for her. Which, at the end of the day, most often shows up in the form of communication. <laughs> to which the men are going, oh, I thought I was going to make this whole series, and we just we weren't going to have to go there. But guys, 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 hear this, hear this, hear this. She receives love from you through you communicating to her. It fills her emotionally. And guys, look, 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 just say this out loud. For you to ignore this, for you to say, hey, you know, I just don't do that, I'm a guy, and I, you know. For you to do that is as deeply wounding to her as when she blows you off Physically. That same wound that says, hey, wait a minute, aren't you attracted to me? And wait a minute, you know, what's going on in her? That same wound that you feel when she pushes you away physically is the same type of wound she feels when you push her away emotionally. And, man, I'm just going to say aloud to you, if you love her, you will not do that. But here, I'm, I'm the first guy to go, look, this is hard. This is... This is hard to do. Matter of fact, there's a little video clip that we uh, uh, grabbed that I think just kind of explains how this interaction just gets really weird. So here, here, that is right here. It's just, there's all this pressure, you know, and sometimes it feels like it's right up on me and I can just feel it, like literally feel it in my head and it's relentless and I don't know if it's gonna stop. I mean, that's the thing that scares me the most is that I don't know if it's ever gonna stop. Yeah. Well, you do have a nail in your head. It is not about the nail. Are you sure? Because, I mean, I'll bet if we got that out of there- Stop trying to fix it. No, I'm not trying to fix it. I'm just pointing out that maybe the nail is causing- You always do this. You always try to fix things when what I really need is for you to just listen. See, I don't think that is what you need. I think what you need is to get the nail See, you're out- not even listening now. Okay, fine. I will listen. Fine. It's just... Sometimes it's like there's this achy... I don't know what it is. And I'm not sleeping very well at all. And all my sweaters are snagged. I mean, all of them. That sounds really hard. It is. Thank you. Ow! Come on. Ow. If you would just don't try to see things my way. Okay, okay. So 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 let, let me see if we can unpack this for a minute. Because, hey, guys, we, 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 we've got to figure out how to get to the other side. So let me explain to you, and ladies, this will be helpful for you too. Let me explain to you why this is so hard for a guy. This is hard for a guy to ga- engage with you emotionally because he actually only has three emotions. Uh, one of his emotions is, okay, I'm fine. One of his emotions is, hey, I'm, I'm pretty darn happy. I'm I'm good. And his third emotion is I'm really angry. And that's it. That's all he's got in his whole repertoire. And so then here's what happens is his wife comes to him and says, "How are you feeling about that?" And he says, "I'm okay." To which she goes, "No, how are you really?" And he goes, "No, I'm okay." And in that moment, she thinks that he's hiding something. He doesn't want to engage with her emotionally. He's going, I'm okay. She goes, no, 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 no. Tell me the deepest secrets of your soul. Reveal yourself to me right now. So now he makes up a box. I'm, I'm frustrated. How does that make you feel? Come on! It's a pretend box. I don't know how it makes me feel. What are you doing? I just said it to get you off my back. So, ladies, here, 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 here He's only got three boxes. Okay? It's okay. And if you keep pushing, if you keep pushing and say, hey, I don't know what it is, here's going to be his answer. Look, it's okay right now, but if you keep asking, it's going to go to another box. That's how he is. Now, God, l- listen, ladies. It's okay that he only has three. And, and ladies, if you're married to a guy who has five boxes, he is a highly sophisticated guy. Okay, I just woo. Lucky for you. So, because here's the deal. Here's what you need to know. God wired him this way. And the advantage, the advantage for all of us in this is, is this. Because he does not tend to get highly emotive and wrapped up. He immediately goes to things like truth and justice and fair and right. And he gets there just boom, boom. That's why he intuitively tries to fix everything. Because in his mind, this is about right and wrong, fair and unfair. And immediately he's that solution. Just kill him. It'll drop the bomb. It'll be good. He's there quickly. Okay, He can get there. Men, uh, your wife has more boxes. And that's how they're organized. Okay. And and guys, I mean, you just need to know. I mean, the subtlety of these boxes is mind-boggling. Do you guys have She's got six boxes just for sadness. You don't even have a sadness box, guys. She's got six. Remember, right here. let, Let me let me give you the list of her sadness. You ready for this? This is her sadness list. Melancholy. Dejected, sorrow, despair, forlorn. What's forlorn? <laughs> Heartbroken. And God, you, you see, tons of I mean, tons of boxes on the deal. Here's the moment. Look, 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 look. This isn't about discounting her emotions and saying, "What in the world?" and why are you? Here's what you need to know. She processes life from a... Remember, you process life from... Hey, is it right? Is it wrong? Is it truth? Is it justice? You know, let's do it. She's processing life from relationship. She's saying, someone just said something ticked me off. Somebody behaved in a way that I think was un, was wrong in the thing. But what she's trying to figure out is... How should I feel about that? What box does that moment... that? Im, what does it belong in? Because here's the deal, here's what she's thinking. If I put this in the wrong box... If I put it in anger when it really belongs in disappointment, then I'm going to react to this situation completely wrong. I'm going to do something that could destroy my relationship with this person. And so it is in her heart absolutely critical to find the proper box because finding the right box is going to immediately lead her to the solution of how she should interact relationally with the person who offended. Does that make sense? And for you to violate that, for you to say, hey, forget about boxes, it doesn't matter how you're feeling, nothing could feel more dishonoring to her because you're asking her to violate a critical step in how God wired her. Which means you and I have got to be willing to engage with our wives and say, hey, let's, let's figure out the box. Now, here's the cool thing, guys. You don't have to have any more boxes. You can stick with three This isn't about you becoming feminized. What this is about is you becoming a student of boxes. (laughs) So that you can help her find the box. So that she can then move forward in the relationship. It's deeply, deeply honoring to her. And I'm going to tell you that it's one of the most powerful ways in which she received love. You saw the video and we all laughed and everything. But did you see the emotive change in her when he finally said, boy, that must be hard for you? Boom. Okay. It's powerful, powerful, powerful. Okay. So you and I are to provide for them emotionally. Uh, third thing, uh, you and I are to provide uh, for our wives uh, with protection. Here's, guys think about this for a minute. It's really, really interesting. How many movies, how many animations, how many fairy tales are all about the damsel in distress and the hero who comes to save? And it, here's what I find interesting. Women don't go, "Oh, I hate that. That's so demeaning to women that she needs to be rescued and taken care of and that guy ne-. matter of fact, she's in love with that guy. That prince who comes and lays down his life for her, that's a good man. One of the deepest ways in which you love your wife is that you as a man say to her, every bit of my strength, every bit of my personhood will go to your benefit and I will protect you. And if anything comes to harm you, I would give my life to protect you. You're safe with me. Which is one of the reasons, guys, get this. It is such a deep violation to her if you turn your voice against her. Because now you are the one coming to harm. You are not the prince. You're the frog. It's why, it's why God forbid that you ever raise your hand toward her. It is such a deep violation of your promise to her. To be the man who would always protect. And I'm just going to say to my singles, if you're dating a guy right now and he's all about winning arguments and he doesn't care how much he hurts your heart in order to win that argument, or if he's ever done anything that put you in even the slightest amount of physical concern, run away, run away, run away. He's a frog. And there are princes out there. I promise. Okay. And last but not least... Providing health for the family. And guys, this primarily for her is your engagement with the children. That you would be not just a husband to her, but a father to them. And guys, this is why it it just is mind-boggling to her. When you come home at the end of the day and you're all tired and you're all worn out and all of a sudden you disengage and uh, you go play Xbox or you go do TV and the kids are left to run amok, but... I cannot speak to you how powerful it is when a husband's engaged with the children. In the heart of a woman, you ready for this? In the heart of a woman, to see you with the children means almost as much as if you'd engaged with her. You know, and ladies are doing this right now all through the room. And guys, you want to hear something really, really cool? There's no faster way to turn her on than be that man who loves her more than he loves himself. She is wired to respond to that guy. Okay, ladies, let's talk. Your job description came back, and your job description said that you were supposed to... Let me, let me help you get there for a minute. Hey, when we, talk about, when we talk about this idea about submitting in this moment, I'm not talking about you becoming a noodle. I'm not talking about you just... Blindly going, hey, whatever you want, honey. That's that's not what this is. This is an equal amongst equals coming to a moment and says, if we get to a moment of loggerhead, if we get to a moment when a decision has to be made, you get the tiebreaker. And and you get that simply because I honored you by giving you that when I gave you the position of husband in our home. Let Let me see if I can help you with this. You realize on our staff here at the church, we have wildly, wildly capable leaders all over this place. I guarantee you we have dozens of people who could go off and lead their own church to great success. So what are they doing here? They're here because they said, you know what? There's something about us being together that's more powerful. We're going to see God do greater things than if I go off and do this by myself. Us together is better than me alone. Which means, though, ultimately, think about this: if push comes to shove, they have to defer to my leadership, not because I'm better than them, not, but simply because they put me in that place of being the lead pastor. And out of honor, and you—you don't think there are moments that the staff doesn't say, "Wow, Lynn, that's the dumbest thing," and Lynn, I'm going, "Hey, let's do it!" Yay! Out of honor, out of honor. They allow me to lead. That's all this is talking about. When you come to that moment, you allow in honor. And here's why this is so critical, ladies. You receive love through provision. Men receive love through endorsement. How we receive it. It's about saying, look, I'm... I'm going to let you be first through the door. I'm going to let you, and then I'm going to be with you. I'll, I'll go where you go. I'll follow you there, even though I'm not sure. And even though I'm not all that excited about it. Because I'm going to endorse you. I'm your fan. You ever seen cheerleaders cheering for a football team that hasn't won a game? Endorsement. It's saying to him, hey, I'm going to let you. Which means, guys, and let me just give you a couple of clues how to get this done. It means we've got to avoid telling and begin asking. This is so weird because in female culture, it is okay to tell another female what to do. Uh, Females will be in in the kitchen. They'll go, oh, you should put more paprika in there. Oh, you should boil the noodles longer. Oh, you should put your big kids to bed at eight o'clock. I mean, they just tell each other stuff all the time. This is highly offensive in male culture. We would never tell another male what to do. We would punch you in the nose if you did that in male culture. And yet in female culture, that's actually loving. You know how a man hears it when you tell him what he ought to do? There's this verse in Proverbs that simply says this. Better to live on the roof of a house than inside with a naggy woman. I know, I know, You're going, a man wrote that. (laughs) My point exactly. And ladies, I'm just going to tell you real quickly, whether you like the answer or not, there is no quicker way to turn his heart away from you than to get into telling mode. Because here's what a man hears when you tell him what he should be doing. You have failed me you you are disappointing me right now and if you don't get fixed right away we have a problem which is absolutely the opposite of let me ask you a question you want to be right or you want to be loved Here's the genius of it. You turn it to asking, which means you're still going to let your requests be made. You're still going to put them out there for him. But stop and think about this. Remember the crazy video that was there and the guy just kept trying to pull the nail out of her head? Remember that? Because he's wired to fix things. That's how God made him. He wants... Matter of fact, why why do you think guys will never ask for directions? It's because we would rather be 35 minutes late and figure it out. Because guys are wired by God to fix things. Think how powerful it is when a wife comes to a husband and instead of telling him something, ask him to fix something. How powerful is this? Instead of saying to him, hey, you know what? Our kids are going crazy. They're, they're a bunch of hellions. I think we ought to have a family night. How much more powerful? Because here's what he hears. You're failing as a dad. Our family's in chaos. How much more powerful to say to him, hey, I was just thinking that our kids and having a family night would be really, really powerful. How would we do that? How, how, how would we even fit that in our schedule? And, and he may go, because that's what he's supposed to do. But here's what I'll promise you he does the rest of the week. Every time he's got a quiet moment, every time he's driving down the road, he's going, how do I fix that? How do I fix that? How do I fix that? Because he's built to fix. And don't be surprised if he comes back and he says, hey, I got this great genius idea. Every Thursday night, we're going to Chuck E. Cheese. <laughs> okay, it's a dumb idea. I get it, but he tried, right? <laughs> Try. Give him credit for trying. But guys, guys, think about the power of the fact that now his heart is moving in the right direction. And he's not angry at you. He's not frustrated at you because you asked instead of told. And then here's the second thing, real quick, women. You've got to be willing to give him... The opportunity to fail. You, here's why Here's why we try to fix women. Because we're desperately afraid he'll drop the ball. And we're going to coach him through it. We're going to help him. We're going to make sure he never drops the ball. What do you do if your nine-year-old son's playing football and he drops the ball? You tell him what an idiot he is and how he'd let the whole team down and they could have won the game. Or do you say to your son, you'll do better next time? See, next time that ball comes, you'll catch it, and you'll be the hero. So I'm rooting for next time. And why is it so hard to do that for our husbands when they drop the ball? So, you know, you'll do better next time. You'll catch it the next time. And I'm rooting for you. Remember we said Christ-likeness. I'll give this real quick. We said that marriage is there to make us like Christ. When it came to the husband in Ephesians chapter 5, here's what he said to the husband, husbands. Here's what you do. This is really, really simple. Love your wives. Matter of fact, husbands, just love your wives the way Jesus loved the church. Just do that. But men, think about that for a second. What does it mean to love your wife the way that Jesus loves the church? What did Jesus do for the church? He laid his life down for her. There's your job. Women... It's a moment to be Christ-like. It's a moment to be Christ-like the way that Jesus was Christ-like in the Garden of Gethsemane. Do you remember the moment? It's just before the crucifixion. Jesus is in prayer with his heavenly Father. And he says in that moment, Hey, God, you know, you've got this plan. And here's what I'm thinking. I'm thinking the plan's not very good. I'm thinking this whole go to a cross, die thing. Could we talk about other options? Do you remember this conversation? And then how does Jesus finish the conversation? Nevertheless, not my will, your will. When it comes right down to it, we'll do your plan. Tell me how Christ-like that is, women. When we were getting ready to move here, uh, Brent and Sonia Richardson were coming to be part of the church plant. And you got to remember, back then there was no cornerstone. It's, it's an idea. And uh, as we're getting ready to move, this is terrifying for Sonia. Because Sonia is one of these gals who doesn't necessarily make tons of friends really, really fast. She's one of those people who makes a few friends really, really slow. And then they end up being lifelong friends. And she had just barely landed that after three and a half years in Yakaipa. And now Brent's saying, hey, I think we're going to move to Arizona and start a church. If they had stayed... Brent would have been promoted. They would have given Brent my old job. He would have gotten a promotion and better pay. How much better would that have been for their family? When they sold their house, this is before short sales became common. When they sold their house, they had to give the buyer money to take their house. And in the midst of that, Sonia's going, Brent, I, wow, this is, there, there's no part of this on paper that makes any sense for our family. I don't get it, Brent. And I mean, I, I, I like the idea, but I mean, this is just crazy. And so there was this tension. And Sonia came to an amazing, amazing moment. Here's what she said to Brent. You've heard my heart. You have every reason why I'm hesitating. From here on out, you decide. This decision is going to be between you and God for what is best for our family. You guys work it out. To which Brent then came to me and said, Lynn, this is terrifying. It was so much easier to argue with my wife. Now I'm having to ask God and make sure that this is exactly the right thing and that I don't have any pride in this and I don't have any ego in this. I mean, I can't even tell you how humbling this is. That I'm just begging God for the right answer. Ladies, how powerful was Sonia's decision in the life of her husband that it forced him into the presence of God? That's the power of submission. So here's what we're going to do, okay? Here's the challenge. In your seat back are cards. Grab a card. They asked two things. I feel most respected when... I feel most loved when... And each spouse is going to answer this for the other spouse. You guys are going to go do couch time. Uh, he's going to say to his wife, hey, when you do this, it's the moment in which I just feel so much honor coming from you toward me. I mean, it just fills up my heart when you do this. She's going to say to him, when you do this, I feel so deeply loved. I mean, I can't even tell you how much it fills me up when you do this. And once you've expressed that, here's the, here's the plan. Okay. Here's the challenge. I want you to push that button a thousand times before the challenge is over. I, I want every man to say, man, my wife just told me how she feels most. I'm going to do that as many times as I'm going to break the button. Loving my wife. Ladies, when he tells you where he gets respect from, I want you to break the button. I want you to say, man, I, I, my husband, my husband's going to be walking tall. When I get done with him, because I'm gonna respect him all over the place. And see what God would do in a marriage where he and she are submitting one to the other. Let's pray. Hey dear Lord Jesus, this is so counterintuitive, and this is this is this comes right to the core of our maleness and our femaleness. And God, it, it makes it really, really hard. But it all gets answered. When a man will say, I have found the woman that I love more than myself. And when a woman says, I've found the man. That I want to make happy even more than I want to make myself happy. And that we would submit one to the other. And reach to fulfill each other's needs even before our own personal need. God, may the women of Cornerstone absolutely honor their husbands. Especially in the toughest of moments to give honor. And God, may the husbands of Cornerstone love their wives with such a deep abiding love that women who don't come to church here would long for a man like that. And God, would you heal our homes. And this I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.